Welcome to Lean Leadership for Ops Managers, the podcast for leaders in ops management who want to spark improvement, foster engagement, and boost problem solving, and still get their day job done. Here's your host, leadership trainer, lean enthusiast, and spy thriller junkie, Jamie V. Parker. Hey, Ops Managers, listen up. Today's episode is a little longer than usual. It's probably closer to 45 minutes, but it's a super important conversation. So I want to make sure that you, um, if you don't have enough time now, you can start it and, and finish it up later, or that you bookmark the page to come back to it later, or bookmark the episode um, to make sure you come back and listen to this. Uh, today, we've got DeAndre Wardell on, and we're going to start off talking a little bit about uh, the hashtag root cause racism movement. Uh, what that's all about, and how Deandra is really leading this effort to use continuous improvement and lean thinking uh, toward the problem of systemic racism. We're going to talk about DEI. What does that really mean? Um, what's the difference between diversity, equity, inclusion? Uh, and you know, how do we get those mixed up sometimes? And then why does it matter? Um, just both from the personal and individual perspective, as well as from a business perspective. This is going to help you, you know, really connect those dots of how um, we treat people and the kind of environment we create as leaders, and how that actually translates to business results. And then finally, Deandra's going to share specific steps that operations executives and operations managers can take to foster inclusion in their environment, in their work environment. So uh, make sure you listen up to this one. It's a good one, such an important topic, and super happy uh, to have Deandra on today. All right. Well, today I am excited to welcome my friend, Deandra Wardell, to the show. Deandra, hello, hello. Hello, Jamie. How are you? I am great. It's so good to talk to you again. Um, and this is pretty exciting because you are in right in the middle of a root cause racism series right now. Um, I guess it'll be a couple of weeks uh, from when people listen to this, but I'm, I know it's like all the swirling and activity going on. Absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, we're just like you said, we're right in the middle of the series. Um, we had a total of nine blogs that posted. Our last two blogs posted today. And we also uh, recorded the webinar as a, a closing to the series today. So yeah, we're right in the thick of it. Oh, well, thank you for taking some time out in the middle of all that. Uh, we'll make sure that we get all the information shared for that today as well. So um, well, I guess why don't we we start off and if you could just maybe introduce yourself to the listeners, particularly those that that haven't met you, tell us a little bit about you and your work and, and some of the focus areas that you have. Absolutely. Well, you know, Jamie, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be one of your guests. Um, you do amazing work in the space of lean and developing leaders. So it's an honor to be on with you today. And, you know, my name is DeAndra Wardell. Like Jamie, I too am a person who is in the lean profession, um, working with developing managers, developing people. And um, I've, I've been doing this type work goodness, for almost 20 years now. I've had a, a number of leadership roles. I've worked in human resources. Um, I've worked in training, education, and development. Um, most recently, I, I worked for a nonprofit where I was a chief strategy officer. Mm. And, and now I am on my own 
as a consultant, um, living my dream, living my passion. <laughs> and, and what I do is I use continuous improvement, lean, and um, working with individuals, working with organizations to help them and, and, and guide them and hold their hand along the way as we work towards achieving their, their challenging goals or any dreams or visions that they may have. And in addition to that, I also use continuous improvement um, in the space of addressing systemic, structural racism, uh, different issues within our, our community. And I, I do that work through uh, a project and a movement that I call hashtag root cause racism. I think our first conversation was somewhere maybe around April of 2020 or so, <laughs> somewhere around that time frame. I, yeah, I believe it was. Even though it hasn't quite been a year, it still seems like ages ago. <laughs> it, it really does. And when you started your introduction and you said, I, I want to introduce my friend Deandra, I, I'm, I'm like, it's great to be on here with my friend Jamie. I feel like we've known each other for forever. And it's hard to believe that even has not been quite a year yet. Absolutely. I love that about just the community and the, the Mm -hmm. relation, the relationship really, you know, we're talking about people and it's human, right? This is, it's a human experience. Well, let's dive in, you know, you're just kind of in the middle of of a hashtag root cause racism series. Um, I think this is the third series in, within that movement since, you know, your first one started. Um, so I guess, why don't you just start off and tell us like, what is it all about and how did you initiate that? Last year um, in 2020, amidst all of the social unrest mm-hmm. and um, the injustice that we watch played out on our screens right in front of us, um, there were two incidents in particular that crushed my heart. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, being that I am a black woman, there are things that, you know, I've experienced over my lifetime. There are things that my loved ones have experienced as it relates to inequality and injustice uh, in varying degrees and forms. And it, it was something about Breonna Taylor's murder, um, mm-hmm. one, because she is from my hometown and she bears a um, just a, a striking resemblance to my youngest niece, who is like a daughter to me. Mm -hmm. And so her murder really troubled me. And then when um, George Floyd was murdered, I just kept asking, why do these things keep happening? Mm -hmm. And I'm more vocal about these issues on my personal Facebook uh, page. And so I was commenting and I would end every post with, I'm very much a hashtag person. Uh And I would end every post with hashtag root cause racism, because the question I was asking was, you know, with all that we know about lean, with all that we know about continuous improvement um, in terms of when there is a problem or when there is an issue that we take the time to get to the root cause and understanding why things or a process is happening or working the way that it is, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one of the key steps we need to take in terms of finding a solution and identifying countermeasures to counteract whatever it is that we see that we're uncomfortable with. So, um, you know, so as things continue to progress throughout uh, 2020, especially in the summer, uh, when we begin to see a number of the protests, and I said, you know, how can I get involved? How can I do something? LinkedIn will become my street of protest. So I said, for whatever following I have, for whoever will pay attention to me. At that time, I was in a, a vice president role and, um, you know, just connected with people from different backgrounds. I said, if people hear me as a Black 
educated woman and, you know, mm-hmm. with a college degree in um, um, an executive position who also is in, in different continuous improvement spaces and have spoken mm-hmm. at different conferences. If I'm talking about my fear and my concern, perhaps it will put a face to what people are seeing on TV and they'll be able to connect. You know, I did receive some responses that were a little unkind. Mm-hmm. And and typically I'm, I, you know, I have pretty thick skin. I don't let words trouble me, but one comment particularly rattled me a little bit because this was um, someone who was making, like I said, just unkind comments. And I'll leave it as that. This person was a member of the lean community. Mm. And so that threw me off more than anything, because a lot of what we teach in the lean community is about going to Gemba, going to the real place, mm-hmm. listening, gaining an understanding. And this individual was jumping to conclusions. And um, But from that, other members of the lean community one began to post on their own timelines and on their own pages about their support of the Black Lives Matter movement and support of the points that I was making. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I I began to get connected with other people. And and one of which um, is Mark Graben. And he invited me um, to share a blog on -hmm. on his blog, leanblog.org. And and from that, that, that invitation developed he and I worked together. We collaborated a, a, along with Karen Ross and some other members of the Women in Lean, uh, because what I wanted to do was a blog series. I wanted to mm-hmm. do a theme around the 8th of August celebration and just some other things about how we got to where we are uh, in terms of race relations, not only in America, but globally, because it is a global, is a global concern and a global issue. And so from that, we did our first blog series where we just wanted to do a deep dive and understand you know, some of the things that we see as it relates to injustice and policies that are not equitable in the areas of government and education and healthcare and business. Well, what are some small things that we can do to start making a dent to mm-hmm. dismantle structural racism and using continuous improvement as our guide for that? So that's how it yeah. all started. And then after that series, the response was something that I would have never imagined. And I was like, this, this is a movement. And um, so we started the Root Cause Racism website. And I decided, you know, this is what I want to focus on full time because it's so important and meaningful to me. And I, it really is a movement. And I love this idea of kind of using these principles of continuous improvement because, you know, we do know that, hey, if they, if they work in our business and these others, they work in all areas. And really kind of that piece of bringing this to the forefront and helping people connect, like creating that that vulnerability and that transparency and stuff that um, is really making, I think, um, things more accessible, this idea that we can have these open conversations more accessible for folks. It starts with a conversation um, because, you know, none of us are experts. We're all on this journey, you know, trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, another thing that I noticed during, you know, the height of what we were experiencing during the summer of 2020, prior to that, you would have never heard me openly in any space talking about what it feels like to be a Black woman Mm. at work Mm -hmm. or what it feels like to be a Black woman in any space. You just would not have heard me talking about that because um, I just didn't want to bring attention to myself in that way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But what started happening is, um, you know, my friends from various backgrounds, but particularly my, my white friends would, you know, start reaching out to me, Deandra, I have questions. 
yes, I'm doing my research, but, you know, I, I, I want to talk to you. And then I'm concerned about you. You know, how are you doing? Are you okay? And, you know, none of us, not, not any of us had the right answers, but it, it started with a conversation and seeking to understand. And that's a key part of the work, too, that, you know, we have to get off these social media sites where people are deba- debating and arguing back and forth. Yeah. And getting back to conversations where we can really talk and learn and discover and realize that we're all on this journey together. So let me ask you this, because I think, you know, over the last um, year uh, or close to a year, there has been a lot of conversation around DEI in our workplaces, Mm -hmm. right? So diversity, equity, inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I want to talk about that for a minute. When you when you hear the term DEI, like what does that m- really mean, or what are maybe some things that kind of get skipped over? Because I'm a little concerned that it becomes a buzzword, mm-hmm. and that the meaning behind it can sometimes get lost. Right. So you know, for one, um, there are, are quite a few acronyms out. There's uh-huh. DEI. There's some say a DNI or EDI. And then even, um, you know, trying to understand diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, people have questions about, you know, what's the difference between equity and equality? And, mm-hmm. and you know, again, a lot of this starts with awareness and education and taking the time to learn and discover. So, you know, when we hear about diversity, um, diversity can be expressed in a number of forms. It's, it's race, it's ethnicity. Um, it's gender, it's gender identity, it's sexual orientation, it could be socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. not necessarily saying that, you know, you have an abundance of wealth, but, you know, were you able to go to college and mm-hmm. or, or, or not? Um, it could be language, it's culture, religious commitments, it could be abilities, it's a number of things. So that just recognizes, you know, just kind of the, the different types of forms diversity can take. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to Equity, you know, equity is equal opportunity for everyone. You know, means it means not discriminating against someone because of their race, of their color, Mm -hmm. their marital status, or what have you. But what I think people miss is that there is a difference between equality and equity because equality um, gives everyone the same number of resources or provides everyone Mm. has the same number of resources. Mm -hmm. Whereas equity is ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to be successful. Um, And I don't know if you've uh, seen this image that has, has floated around. I noticed it quite a bit um, last year where there are three individuals watching a baseball game and there's a fence um, in between these three individuals in the game. And the three individuals are at different statures. So one person is tall enough where they can look over the fence and see the game without any obstacles. Um, mm-hmm. Another person has a box that they're standing on and they're able to see it. But then, you know, the third person is standing on a box, but because of their stature, they're a little shorter in stature, mm-hmm. they can't see the game at all. So just giving everyone a box, a person who is already tall, really doesn't need the box. He can already, you know, see the game. But versus someone who is shorter than stature, having that box, they're still unable to see the game. That's equality where everyone has a box. Equity is about giving everyone an opportunity to see the game. Mm. So the tall person who doesn't need the box, okay, you're still watching the game. 
um, the, the person who's of middle height, uh, who may be struggling a little bit to see the game, you know, having that one box helps them. But the person who's shorter in stature, having two or three boxes that elevates them so that they can see the game. So everyone is enjoying the game. But what inclusion is about, uh, inclusion is a little different in terms that it ensures everyone is, feels welcome. Mm. Um, no matter their perspective, um, that they'll be respectfully heard, that they say are seen as an individual who belongs. And that's where true liberation takes place. So, and that's that image that I just described about the fence, mm-hmm. blocking people from seeing the game and, you know, giving the different, um, you know, boxes so that someone can step on it to, to, to be able to, mm-hmm. to help with their visibility to see. Well, what inclusion is about is removing that fence altogether. So that regardless of what your stature is, you're able to take part in the game, you're able to be involved, and that, you know, you can be successful. And that's, and that's all we should aspire to do in these spaces, especially at work, is where everyone feels like that they're a part of the team, you know, no matter what their, you know, like I said, race, gender, their religion, their marital status, no matter what, that they feel included and they feel welcome. So... I, I think this is such an interesting point that you're really talking about because, um, I mean, certainly it it can take an effort for each of those. Um, inclusion really takes it even kind of really further, yeah. and and it's um, it's like an act. It's, there's a positive act in order to create inclusion, right? Like it's not just like the absence of aggressive racism does not necessarily equal inclusion. Absolutely. And, and, and that is it. And that's the, the, one of the main reasons why that with this root cause racism movement and even, even the work that I do and uh, when I work with companies um, around diversity, equity, and inclusion, I always link in continuous improvement because it's that act. And from doing, you know, that's where behavior begins to change. And, you know, this is a big undertaking. Change will not happen overnight. But if you can work on one small piece, one aspect, one behavior, you know, change at a time, and it's something you practice daily, and it becomes part of the behavior, well, then that's when you see change take place. Um, You know, the other thing you mentioned about how it's an act, you know, it's, it's great that we have these, you know, fabulous diversity, equity, and inclusion statements on our website. (laughs) It is so wonderful that we issue these great statements. And, you know, it's great that, you know, we have the unconscious bias training and all of those great things. But Mm -hmm. what happens when we go back to our desks or we're in the break room, you know, Mm -hmm. around the water cooler and things that are said or things that are not said? Yeah. You know, what happens when we're in these Zoom meetings and um, where people struggle to feel included or, or like their voices are heard or their recommendations are being dismissed because of whatever part of who they are is being, you know, limited during the discussions. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's those actions and it's about being intentional. Yeah. And so for um, most listeners here, right, are going to be op- operations executives and operations managers, you know, plant managers, things like that. Why do you think this, like, what makes this inclusion so important for them, right? For for them and their work and their organizations and all, all of that. How does that, how do these 
ideas of this kind of human situation, this interpersonal human thing, and then business and work and management, how do these intersect? I've had conversations with managers who say, oh, DeAndra, we don't want to get into all that soft stuff. We don't want to get into that touchy-feely stuff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we just, you know, there's work that we need to do. Let's just, let's mm-hmm. just focus on getting this work done. Let's not get all touchy-feely. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing about it. No one's asking anyone to be touchy-feely. But what's in, in why diversity, equity, and inclusion? For one, that um, we have that diverse background of people to get a different perspective. Um, you know, I was on a, as part of the webinar earlier, one of the participants, Paul Critchley, you know, who's doing some great work in, mm-hmm. in the continuous improvement space, talked about how anytime, and this has been my experience as well, anytime there's a value stream mapping event, where you bring people from different parts of the process mm-hmm. together, you know, some of the first things they say is, oh, I never realized that you had to deal with that. Or I didn't realize that that's how the process yeah. operated for you. It's eye-opening. It Those, is. And, every and time. All, every time. <laughs> and then some of the best ideas or recommendations for countermeasures or improvements come from, of course, those who are closest from the process, closest to the process. And then those who are, are somewhat distant and who are coming in with a fresh set of eyes and say, hey, have you considered this? Well, just imagine, you know, when we have that diversity and opinion and thought and representation and, you know, decisions that we're making for our business, mm-hmm. um, for our customers, for the product, for the services that we have. And if, if people are able to participate without any reservation, um, if there's that trust. So inclusion is about creating an environment where everyone knows they belong. And when that happens, you know, work feels more stable. Things are more secure there. You know, we talk about safety being important in the workplace. We don't want any trip hazards. Well, we don't also don't want any emotional trip hazards. You know, mm-hmm. people should, should feel like, you know, I can be myself at work. And I, as long as we're not doing anything that's going to harm someone else or, or break a policy, uh, but it's, it's, it's that stability that it brings. And not only that, um, when when leaders interact with their teams in such a way where they're respecting their input, where they're hearing what they have to say, um, and just building that trust and being able to recognize the work, you know, the, the team wants to get more involved because they know that they're being heard mm-hmm. and they're not being dismissed. And then, you know, when you, when you have inclusion and when you're, you're, you're showing that, hey, your input, your involvement, what you have to add brings value, you're not just a cog or a widget or someone, you know, that's just Mm -hmm. here checking a box and then we want you to move along. When people feel a part of something, um, for one, that helps with retention. People are less likely to leave and and go to look for other places to work because they feel like they're a part of the team. They feel like they're a part of the solutions. They feel, feel like they are part of the success that the company is experiencing. And, and, and that helps with the stickiness of it all in terms yeah. of making a person want to stay and be invested. You know, what are, how do, how do I help generate some of that? Okay. You know, um, it's, it's small things that people can do. Um, I, I know that when I led teams, it, it was really important to make sure that every, you know, you, whenever you're in a meeting, um, you have people who are, are quick to give input and very talkative. I'll raise my hand. I'm one mm-hmm. of those people. Uh, but then there are other people who are, are more quiet. And, um, you know, if there is a discussion, giving everyone an opportunity to speak, 
um, you know, of course, depending on the size of the meeting, but you want to make sure that people have input, um, you know, ask people for their ideas and then respond to them. And then, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back to kind of what we experienced last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard for me to log into those Zoom meetings after watching, you know, whatever murder took place the night before mm-hmm. or whatever new policy that, that came out that, you know, restricted people who look like me. And to have to go into work the next day, smiling, happy, acting like everything was okay, that was mm-hmm. difficult. And I remember getting on a, a, a Zoom call, and this was um, after George uh, Floyd's murder. And I just had a person that said, hey, before we start talking today, DeAndra, how are you? And they took the time just to do a check to see how everyone was. That, that meant so much to me. And, mm-hmm. and that helped to say, that helped me to say, oh, well, I'm not just you know, this employee ID number, they care about me as an individual. So, you know, to answer your question as managers, um, you know, keep lines of communication open, um, especially now that we're in this virtual space, Um, make sure that people have what they need to be successful. Um, And and if if they're struggling with whatever it may be, again, like I said, we're in this virtual space where people are Mm -hmm. caring for children and they have pets running around. And, you know, some of the things that we see (laughs) in the news, you know, people may be struggling and just as managers be sensitive to that. And then not only that, as, as much as possible, create opportunities where people can give input on decisions that are being made. Um, you know, processes that are being updated. And then a, another key thing um, that I think is really important as a part of the inclusion piece is making sure that team members understand how they connect, how the work they do every day is connected to the strategic goals and the big vision of the organization. That I'm not coming in just in, in my spot or doing my piece of work and I don't see how I'm connected to what's going on throughout the value stream mm-hmm. um, and, and helping employees to see their value and their connection. And by doing something as simple as how employee performance management goals are set each year and, and, and show, hey, this is how you're connected to what it is we're trying to accomplish. But not only that, I want you to grow and develop and mm-hmm. learn and have opportunities for advancement. What training can you be exposed to? Who can, you know, can I, can you have a mentor? What is your career path? Or what are some other processes or things that you can learn that we can introduce you to, to help you grow and feel like you're a part of this team and, and, and let that employee know that we want you here with this organization or with this company. Fantastic. So as we were, we were kind of talking about what can managers do, this other question kind of popped in my mind. So I want to see if you have any thoughts on it. So, you know, think about like, this is, these are conversations that maybe we haven't necessarily been having at work, right? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, thinking, especially for folks that maybe are not um, as naturally exposed to diverse environments. So we know that there, there are COOs and VPs and plant managers out there who are now trying to talk to their team leads and supervisors and managers about this this bias, right? We all have these unconscious biases. Um, and for some of them, uh, it, it almost may feel like they're a little shielded. It's not a part of their necessarily every day. 
right? Like in the sense that they may be in a more, in a less diverse area, right? Mm -hmm. And so they may not have as many experiences to hear directly or to see directly, but at the same time, they're in this role of leadership. And so they're, you know, they do have folks on their team that are different from them, that they need to be able to lead effectively and to build relationships with, but it just probably feel like it, I'm sure it feels very uncomfortable. I'm sure Mm -hmm. there are a lot of uncomfortable conversations happening and it's important. They need to happen. So do you have any thoughts or ideas around like, how do we talk about these biases in a way that is really productive? Because I've definitely been involved in some conversations where it's seen, it turns um, almost defensive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, oh no, I'm right. Like, it's like, <laughs> no, mm-hmm. not me. I'm not like that. Right. Yeah, you know, some yeah. of that kind of stuff. Uh, any thoughts you have about how do we talk about biases in our workplaces? Yeah. So the, the you know, um, Goodness, you you used the word to describe it just a second ago. It is uncomfortable and it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. This is something we're not accustomed to. This is a muscle we've never used before or, or have rarely used. Um, and I think because of that, or not, I think I know because of that, just with anything, with any change that that we decide we want to make, um, it begins with that awareness that the change is necessary. Um, It begins with the education Mm -hmm. and it begins with the practice. So, you know, I think about, um, you know, some organizations I work with where it's predominantly white men. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that they, they, they have been very open and honest about is they have not had a lot of exposure to diversity. However, that's not an excuse. Uh, mm-hmm. particularly in the capacities in which they lead and they have impact on, you know, employees of, of diverse backgrounds or their companies are in communities where there's diversity. And, you know, any more, you know, regardless of our background or how it is that we grew up, there is opportunity to become exposed to diversity. Mm-hmm. And it can be, you know, reading a book. Um, there is a number of of content in the forms of of podcast and you know videos and webinars and movies and um, you know documentaries. There's all kind of information out there, um, and and just being intentional that yes, this may be how I grew up. This may be what I know, but I know this. I have to move beyond this and really be intentional about practicing diversity, equity, and inclusion wherever my space is, particularly as a leader. And, you know, beginning with understanding, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's such a sensitive topic because, you know, when you hear things like bias and privilege, because I have not done anything overtly racist, mm-hmm. well, don't group me in that category as being a racist <laughs> or, or that I'm not trying to improve. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Inactivity is, is, is just as bad. And, and there, and we talked about this during this week's root cause racism series that we all have bias. And, you know, some of us, you know, and and for the most part, we have some type of privilege Mm -hmm. and the onus is on us as leaders um, to be leaders, to lead boldly, um, to create those environments you know, even where the conversations may be uncomfortable, they always want to, you know, we want to be respectful. We don't want to do any harm. And we need to be transparent with where we are. I may not have all the answers, 
but I do know we are at this point, at, the, at a starting point in terms of where we are in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we need to do the work. Yeah. And what is the first step we can take? And, you know, and if you're at a table and it's everyone looks like you when you're asking that question, the first question might be, who can we invite to the table to be a part of these discussions? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things about being so virtual now that um, that good that's coming out of this is, you know, we can hop on a Zoom or call someone around the world and within moments, you know, they're in that space to help, you know, be a part of, of those discussions. So, you know, the other thing, too, is sometimes we think it's more complex than it really is. Mm-hmm. And again, it starts with that awareness and wanting to have, you know, those conversations. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to go too far out on a tangent and be too wordy <laughs> with answering your questions. But, you know, the other thing I wanted to share just as an example with this series, this most recent series, it was about heightening awareness for inclusion for Black people in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Black, but I'm not an, a member of the LGBTQ plus community. But I recognize some of the pain that people are dealing with in the workplace as a result of the intersectionality between race and, you know, sexual identity and what have you. And, you know, for what privilege I have um, as a heterosexual, you know, what can I do to give a voice to the voiceless? And it's, Mm -hmm. and I'm not perfect. I don't know at all. I I get, I get so nervous about, oh my goodness, am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to use the wrong pronoun or what have you? But I'm coming from a place of I wanting to make want to make things better and building that trust and building relationships. And, you know, thankfully, people have been gracious enough with me as I've stumbled to say, no, DeAndre, it's not that. No, you shouldn't mm-hmm. say this. But we're working together to figure it out. Yeah, I love that. I Yeah, I think for me, it was so just for me to realize, you know, those co- those uncomfortable conversations, if you will, mm-hmm. the fact that. I could choose to not have them is a privilege, right? Oh, <laughs> like, oh. I mean, that is it. like just the fact that I even get a choice about whether I want to address this issue or actively participate in this um, conversation or not is a privilege of, of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of le- leading to what you're talking about is this relationship and responsibility as leaders, the responsibility that we're carrying is that we cannot ignore this. No. And, you know, as leaders, you know, I've always seen this as a responsibility of leaders. Leaders have the onus of ensuring that there is there are opportunities for the teams that they manage, the people that they lead to be successful, to be their best self, to create. Now, you know, however a person may rise to that opportunity, you know, that's another topic for another time. Sure. but, you know, that that is the responsibility of leaders, um, you know, in terms of the teams that they manage. And then when you think about, you know, for whatever organization that people are a part of, whether they're delivering a product or a service, they have that end user that they want to be delighted by what it is that they are receiving. And, you know, we think about our customers as external. Our customers are also internal. And those are our team members. And just like we want um, you know, those customers who receive the product and service to be delighted we and, and, and be happy with their experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming to work, you should not dread it. Um, and, you know, you shouldn't come, you know, being fearful of what may happen to me today because, you know, I use a cane or, 
I'm of this stature or I'm of this size or I have this religious belief or my skin looks like this or I walk like that or I've married this person or I'm not married. You know, those things are unnecessary hindrances um, to creating that space where people feel like they're free to be successful and can do the jobs that they're able to do and bring their cre- and, and you know when you talk about bringing your whole self to work i think i don't know if people really understand what that means we need to create these spaces where people are inspired to be creative and 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 brainstorm and bring these great ideas because when you're when you feel like you're included and you feel like you're hurt those type things will happen and again that's good for business so it yeah. just all makes sense <laughs> yeah absolutely all right so as we're wrapping up um any kind of points that we missed that you want to make sure we share today? Yes. All right. Yes. This is my, my main point. And if, if anybody has ever talked to me for longer than two minutes, you'll hear me bring this up at some point in time. No matter what it is we are facing, whatever, no matter what it is, especially that we're trying to accomplish as leaders, it starts with two things. Um, one, focusing on continuous improvement, recognizing that we haven't arrived, that this is a process, mm-hmm. that we need to be methodical in our approach and our scientific thinking and, 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 and really going through the steps of how do I get from current state to future state, whatever we desire or have envisioned that future state to look like. Mm-hmm. So always look for opportunities for Kaizen to change for good. The second part, is respect for people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have, you know, if you, as you would want someone to treat you. And um, again, that's not about being warm and fuzzy or, you know, being soft is simply about honoring the humanity that is in everyone and recognizing that we all have differences instead of letting whatever that's, that is our difference separate us Let's use that to leverage and make things better and come up with ways to collaborate and be innovative and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just accomplish all these amazing things that we want to accomplish as individuals and organizations. So, and don't be overwhelmed with this work. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, you will be uncomfortable. It will be challenging. But think about the one small thing you can do and just get started with that one small thing. And then every day, look for another small thing to do um, to continuously improve and show respect for people. It, it's, it's all linked and it's all connected. Mm, I love that. Love those, that little kind of last bit of one small, just what's one small thing you one can do. One small thing, one small thing. And, you know, um, my, my favorite expression is on to the next one. And that's not about dismissing or, you know, um, you know, scratching something off. It's, What's the one small thing you can do? Of, of course, whatever big thing that we're trying to accomplish, it, we can be so overwhelmed thinking, oh my goodness, I have this big leap I need to take. I have this big project. I have whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to introduce diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I want everyone to feel like they're part of the team and we need to diversify our teams. All of that is a big undertaking. And it's great to have those aspirations, but recognize that you have to take one small step at a time and, and realize you don't take one step and say, Oh, I've arrived. Yay. Me. You know, <laughs> yes. I, I've, I've gotten these pronouns together and I have a new <laughs> black person who is in a leadership position. It doesn't stop there. 
just look for opportunities, like I said, to continuously build upon the improvements that you're making um, to ultimately get to what it is you want to accomplish or have envisioned. Ah, fantastic. All right, DeAndre, for folks out there who want to learn more about root cause racism movement, who want to connect with you, all of that, where should they be going? Okay. They can go to two places. Okay. The first place they can go is my website, deandrawardell.com. That's D-E-O-N-D-R-A-W-A-R-D-E-L-L-E.com. So by going to deandrawardell.com, that will connect you with me. There's an option um, where you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, You can follow me on Twitter. You can connect with me on Instagram. You can subscribe to my YouTube page. You're on all the things. And Facebook. <laughs> Instagram. Insta- I still haven't quite figured. That's that's a daily experiment of continuous improvement, Instagram. But nevertheless, I'm out there. And Facebook. Okay. Then for the root cause racism movement, that's the community work. And that's where everyone has an opportunity to get involved. So that website is rootcauseracism.com. Mm-hmm. And um, as a result of going to that website and subscribing, you'll get updates about the blogs. There's opportunities for people to do best practice sharing with what they're what they're doing in their spaces to make improvements. Because, again, you know, we're all in this together. So if if I if you've had success with something, I want to learn about it. Come write mm-hmm. a blog or share an, a link to an article or, or a podcast or what have you. And so once you click on rootcauseracism.com, we're also on Facebook. And we're on Twitter. Fantastic. Well, we'll put the links to all of that in our show notes as well. So you'll be able to find all of those links to connect with DeAndra, connect with the movement at uh, processplusresults.com forward slash podcast. We'll make sure we include everything there also. DeAndra, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Any parting words you have for us today? Uh- uh, you know, Jamie, you're doing amazing work in this in the space of of what you're doing with with managers and leaders. So I just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. I enjoy your podcast. I enjoy your post. I think you're a fabulous human being, and uh, it's an honor to know you. And to those people who are listening, uh, whatever it is that you're working on, whatever it is your heart desires, whatever it is that you're envisioning to make this world a better place. Find one thing, find one small way to get started. Don't give up and keep moving on to the next one. All right. I love Deandra. Hopefully, you know, um, you could hear some of her passion and her heart coming through and why I love her so much. It's um, really an honor, truly an honor to have her on today and to to consider her a friend and just to be a part of what she's doing and help to share the work that she and her community are doing. As DeAndre talked about, your really your next step is, um, of course, to process what you heard today. You know, if you need to, you know, sleep on it. Really think through what does this really mean for you, and then t- look at one thing, right? Like, what's the one next step? The one next thing? The one thing you can do to make things just a little bit better. Until next time. Mm-hmm.